This is Cinema Degeneration. I am the devil, and I am here to do the devil's work. I, I just can't take no pleasure in killing that. Just some things you gotta do. We all go a little mad sometimes. You wanna know what happens to an eyeball when it gets punctured? You just can't let them go? Go! Hi, I'm Chucky. Wanna play? <laughs> Please, God. This is God. The dead will walk here. I'm just gonna bash your brains. And your suffering will be legendary even in hell. <laughs> it's alive, it's alive, it's alive. They all flow down here. They're coming to get you, Barbara. Boy, you're doomed. On our show tonight, we offer up our Takeout series, where we will explore the realms of foreign horror cinema. Our hosts will take you along their travels all over the globe, while diving into some of the most lucid storytelling, savage cannibals, vengeful spirits, sadistic killers, and the post-apocalyptic zombie-plagued landscapes. Join us as we dissect the classics that prove sometimes fear comes with subtitles. No has viajado en el tiempo. Alrighty, folks, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another edition here on Cinema Degeneration of the Takeout Edition, where we celebrate foreign films of any kind, not just horror, but this time we are doing quite uh, the unique horror film. It's um, I was I was saying to my co-host here off the air previous to the show, I didn't know whether to put this on the This Is Your Brain on Film or the Takeout Edition, because it is a mindfuck of a movie, but it is also a... Uh, in a unique foreign movie, a Spanish film, that we are going to be doing 
Time Crimes from 2007. So strap in, folks. It's going to be a bumpy fucking ride. And my cohort in crime and riding shotgun with me tonight is my good buddy, Daniel Goad. How are we doing? Doing okay, Cameron. Thank you again once more for having me. No problem, and uh, just so people have a little context about your introduction to this movie, this was uh, a first-time watch for you, was it not? Yeah, so honestly, this movie has been elusive. I've known about this movie for a long time. It's usually always brought up in a conversation about time travel movies and, like, which one's the best and the conjecture of, you know, which one is most realistic versus entertaining, and – I just never sat down and watched it. I think I sat down a few years ago and tried to watch it, and I just think something distracted me. And 20 minutes in, I kind of had to stop. I think it was something where like I had to leave. Like uh, Someone called me, I had to leave the house, and then I just never picked it back up. And I'm kicking myself because like, this is a great movie. Yeah, I I was, I was <clears throat> kind of happy when you said you had never seen it. I'm like, ooh, you're going to be in for a ride, sir. This movie uh, was actually one of the first movies that Patty and I ever watched together. When we were dating. Uh, we'd get together for movie nights with uh, a, mu- a mutual couple with, uh, that we knew, and we'd spend the night and have like you know eat a bunch of food and watch a weird movie. Like I'd bring a weird movie, they bring a weird movie, and this was the weird movie that they brought. And I remember at first watching it and thinking, you know, this is you know weird little time travel movie and i'm like eh, it's kind of a weird comedy and it's also a very weird horror movie it's this a it's a it balances all three it balances you know sci-fi and time travel horror with a little bit of comedy because as i was this time re-watching it as i was saying to patty uh the guy who plays hector i'm, I'm probably gonna bastardize his name and i apologize sir but uh cara el halde Alahalde, uh, I'm probably way off, but I'm trying, I'm trying. But the guy who plays Hector, the main character, he's like a straight-edge Mr. Bean. He continuously fucks everything up. and But he, he's not like a tongue-in-cheek, like, goofy Mr. Bean. Like I said, straight-edge Mr. Bean is the best way I can describe him. Well, I do want to say it's actually really unique and romantic way that you got into the movie. Like, imagine if both of y'all did not like the movie or at least one of you did. And it was kind of like a uh, divisive uh, thing of like, Oh, well, if you don't like the movie, then something's wrong with you. But no, it seems it turned out perfectly fine. Yeah, it did. It did. Well, considering the first movie we ever saw together, legit saw in a movie theater on a day together was the expendables. So I was just like, all right, she can get down with this. (laughs) This this woman is marriage material. (laughs) It works out. I think it worked out. Yeah, it did, it did. But let's go ahead and get right off into it. I will give you folks at home the IMDb synopsis, as always. All right, here we go. Time Crimes 2007 is as follows. A man accidentally gets into a time machine and travels back in time nearly an hour, finding himself will be the first of a series of disaster of unforeseeable consequences. And that sounds like it's very basic, but... It's not. That is very, like, to the letter of what happens. When, when it says we'll be the first of a series of disaster of unforeseeable consequences is right on the money, I think. I I think, like, synopsis, synopses like that are... Synopsis? Yeah. yeah. Um, I think they work really well because a movie like this, it's hard to describe because, yeah, nearly an hour. The movie takes place over about a 45-minute period, and... Um, 
it's confusing if you try and explain this to someone without spoiling it because it's this is one of those where like if you talk about it you're going to have to go into detail and it's going to be ruined the whole the whole entertainment i think of this movie is you're watching something happen around 45 minutes but you're watching that same 45 minutes three times and right most movies are linear like you see your characters go from point a to point b uh, unless you watch something like tarantino where you watch c and d and then a and b but right, like, right right this movie literally is from point a to point b and then a2 to a, uh, b2 and then a3 to b3 like it's so it's the I, it, editing is great but like explaining this to someone you kind of have to bite your tongue really hard and just go hey what are you doing for the next two hours just watch it with me i don't want to talk about it just just watch it with me yeah because if you explain more than just you know a a couple of you know snippets about it it's the type of movie you can easily ruin by a quick slip of the tongue and that's why i didn't like say much about it when i suggested i was just like I'm just going to see what he says about this one and see what happens. Well, the other great thing about this, too, and I know that, you know, this movie came out a long time ago. We're going to talk about spoilers. But I think the amazing thing about this movie, I think the selling point of what makes it so satisfying is you already know that it's him. Like, at least unless you go through the beginning first uh, third of the movie. Our our lead man, Kara uh, Hector, um, it, literally the cast is four people. Like he's he's the person that is on the cover of the poster, as well as the the what did you say the uh, straight edge Mr. Bean? Yeah, yeah, straight. Yeah, he's a straight edge Mr. Bean, especially the way it opens up because you know he's pulling up from shopping and the back hatches open and just spilling shit yeah. out, and it's just like he's he, he's he's awkward. He's an awkward he's an, gentleman. He's an everyman. It just makes him super relatable. But yeah, like, he's almost like a Bruce Campbell in Evil Dead. He's just a, just a little bit on the edge of goofy. Actually, that's a good description. But like most movies, they put so much weight into that twist at the end, or they put like um, you know that revelation uh, an hour into the movie. It works for some movies, but I think this movie it puts it at the beginning of it, and you know how it how it ends. But it's all these little details that. You know, basically the first 40 minutes of the movie is the movie, and then every other bit that we see is just a different angle, a different perspective, a different yeah. part of the yard, you know, the other side of the building. A different point of view with the same scene. It's just like it's telling the same scene over and over again, but from a different vantage point. Yeah, like I, I love this movie as sort of like the dramatic horror version of Groundhog Day. And <laughs> yep. It's just so good, but I'll I'll let you jump into wherever you want to start talking about because like this yeah. this movie made me extremely hyped when I finished it because it was just so satisfying. Again, you you knew what was going on, but it was the way that the the filmmaker and the editor were giving you the info and revealing like these things like they were telling the story in in reverse. It was just so satisfying. Like I'm so glad that this movie like I mean it bombed. It did not make did not make money, but it got the the critiques like it the it got the, the critical acclaim. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I, I mean like even at the beginning I I feel like this is a weird movie to try and cover in a linear fashion because there's nothing in any way kind of linear about this movie. But uh I mean, the, the first thing I mean, I, I first note I got is this dude is such a dope. 
you know, like he he's dropping shit. He, you know, he leaves the back cash open and spills out all his groceries and all the stuff he's bought at the you know the local like Home Depot and stuff. And but the first little things I noticed, like you know, uh, especially this time around, was bits of dialogue when he gets home and and you know I think it bears mentioning that they're they're in a new home, they're they're setting up the garden, they're setting up furniture, so it's a new home or new construction. But they never really quite, you know, get into it, you know. But you you know that they're they're new to the area. That's it, what I love. I, I mean, we we've talked about previously on other shows, other episodes, where they waste time with exposition. The beginning of the movie is the setup and this building of these characters. No one gives a shit. Like it takes so long to get into a movie, and this one, it's literally ten minutes. Maybe not even that. It's you know. Oh, it's probably like five. five. Yeah. But you don't have to explain. There's moving boxes. They're talking about not having anything in the kitchen. It, it, it's self-explanatory, and it's about the familiarity of just being human. You know, with him uh, dropping the stuff out of his car and uh, you know dropping the phone. The awkward way that the husband and wife kiss. Like obviously, like that could just be a director's choice of like what's going on or on mm-hmm. the day of. But everything just seems so normal and like. Not for the camera. Like, like I know most – It's not no, like, flash and pizzazz. There's nothing played up for the camera. Yeah. And you use the term he's an everyday man earlier. And that's where I think this is, this is an everyday life. Yeah. You know, at least, like, like you know, at the beginning. Because yeah, everything gets very non-normal <laughs> as we get we get into it. But the bits of dialogue I noticed, like his wife, Clara, uh, you know, Hector's wife, she says, oh, doesn't time fly here? And I made a little note. I'm like, mm, that it's going to come back and bite you in the ass a little bit. And even making the comment is I can't remember what day is it, it Friday or Saturday? And knowing this is a time travel movie going into it, you know, I mean, yeah. it's. <laughs> but but everything in that it's telling you details like like how I mentioned like a lot of times it's 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 bullshit like the beginning of the movie they're just talking it's just building up the characters knowing their names their ages where they're from if they're going to college you know all the setup stuff but literally with this movie everything they're saying has a point they're they're detailing at least yes. the time of day because he it asks, you know, is this Saturday or something after he comes out of the time machine the first time. But it's giving you stuff that they do, and then literally 40 minutes later, you're seeing the exact same conversation in the same part of the yard or the house from Hector 2's perspective, or technically Hector 3's, whatever. Um, But it's such an amazing thing because it really makes you rethink other movies and how they start their their film and how trivial some things are but then it it really kicks you in the face when you realize that everything that was weird because when you when you first watch it like there's a lot of weird actions especially what like when he sees the woman in the bushes you're like why yeah why is this happening what what makes why? Yeah, why is this woman scantily clad woman getting undressed in the middle of the woods behind his house yeah but then it's answered and it's answered mm-hmm. in such a I just feel like a natural way. I mean, not natural because it's time travel, but um, it's just so satisfying. I think that's the, the buzzword that I have for this movie. Yeah. It sets you up and it, it creates these pillars that you're on and you have to trust the movie that it's going to bring you through. And it does like it's such a lovely 
uh, filling the gaps of like what you're questioning. It's great. I, I love yeah. it. Yeah, it's just like the, one of the first notes mm. I have here is like, you know, why does he have those binoculars? Why is he like searching in the, the backyard? Well, like, and those binoculars, that's a note I have here. Those binoculars are going to get Hector into a lot of trouble. And if he hadn't picked up those binoculars, would any of this had ever happened? You know, I, I, that's not I, I question. You know, the, the I know it's a weird uh, thing to focus on the binoculars, but really, if he had never picked up those binoculars, would they would this any of this movie had ever happened? It'd have been an awfully short film. But then you start questioning literally the if that's just the catalyst. The catalyst could have changed. You know, if 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 that's fate. If there is such a thing as fate within a time travel loop like this is, uh, would there just be another catalyst? What was would something else have happened? But yeah, yeah. Well, it's like you know when, when the, I love, that's why I love the the first half of this movie in a much different way than I love the second half of this movie. Like, not that I love it any less or any any more or any less, but I love it differently. If that makes sense, because it's like it's. The, the first half of this movie, the first third, really, is like watching somebody set up, you know, a big, intricate set of dominoes. And then the second half or the second third, you know, third or whatever is is like watching somebody just slowly go and push their finger forward and knocking the dominoes over. Because, yeah. you know, you know, because at first, you know, you see when you see what he sees, he sees the, the, the red pants, you know, or the red shirt. He sees the girl standing in the woods and then he sees her, you know, pulling her top off and exposing herself. And then he's, he goes investigating. And the first thing you want to say, it's like, don't go. You know, there's nothing going to be nothing but trouble for you there. But you know he's going to go. Yeah. And then, he, like, as soon as he discovers the the naked girl just laying knocked out, you know, in, in the woods, he gets stabbed by an unseen assailant. And it just makes you go, what the hell is going on? And, but, you know, I mean... I want to preface this part, especially by by saying this, we're going to be spoiling everything for you here, folks. So if you have not seen this movie, gosh, I implore you to, to, well, to pause the podcast because we're going to be, why would you be listening to this podcast anyway if, if, if you haven't seen a movie yeah. of this? I, I do want to at least pad that, though, with even if you do like listen to this and you've never watched the movie, please still watch the movie find it because it, even if you know what's happening you still it's so enjoyable to see all the moving pieces in the background like it's so way, intricately put together yeah because the the way that i was looking at this movie as soon as i realized like what was going on i started really meticulously looking at just the reality of the production like i know the last movie we talked about i mean we kind of talk about it on every every episode just because that's how we've lived before and knowing how where the camera is you know like the effort we, we've been on a couple stuff. of sets and i really think i mean i'd have to watch it again maybe you've watched it enough to answer this question it's kind of just a hypothetical question but like i really feel with how seamless some of the stuff was that they did film everything at once, like the reactions between where Hector one was and Hector two and stuff, because they look identical from where the camera was on his reaction of Hector one and doing all of his stuff. And then later in the movie, seeing that of what we just watched 25 minutes ago, it looks the exact same and it feels like they captured it at the same time to make it more authentic. So I'm just saying like, if, if you're curious about this movie, please still watch it after this. It's 
I think a spoiler is impossible for this movie. I think it's the journey of what this character does and just the the effort that's just satisfying that this was even made. Because, like, I know there's tons of time travel movies, and they always kind of fit inside the same house. You know, they kind of fit the mold. And Yeah, like, uh, I'll use as an example, like Looper. Still a great movie, but it falls into that same category. Yeah, and I know this movie a lot of times is put up against Primer. And I, I do like Primer, but Primer is a very intelligent movie. And... I'm pretty dumb. Like it's, it was made to be like almost realistic, but I really think, please, if, if, if you're listening, if at any time, just still watch the movie, listen to us, but like still watch the movie. It'll be worth it. Yeah. I mean, folks, you can, you can find it on DVD for about $12 and it is streaming free on Plex. Plex is a free app. I mean, if you can get it, you'll have to watch it with ads, but it's, it's highly worth it. I, I can't recommend this movie enough. I also just want to say before we jump onto the next part, I love that this is one of those movies that never got an HD version. It absolutely looks 480p. It's, oh, yeah. <laughs> it's pixelated, but it I think it works. Like the movie is still gorgeous. They absolutely took consideration of the lighting, composition. Like this movie may be considered low budget. Low budget laugh. It's two point six million dollars. You know that's not low budget for anybody, but yeah, not by know. any means. It's definitely not micro budget. <laughs> yeah, but the the attention to detail as far as just like the set design, how much lush green environment is in it because it, most of it takes place outside, but literally the the house that they found, just every it's a beautiful movie, but it's not really going to look good on your you know sixty inch high 4k class television so uh, just keep that in mind um i i agree with you i think the look of it you know lends well to the to the format you know i mean i think it it works but anyway, anyway, we'll get back to the actual movie after he gets, uh, as I put it, the stabby stab scene where he gets stabbed in the arm with a pair of scissors. By which I, I start getting confused here. Like I, I <laughs> when Hector one gets stabbed by was it Hector three or Hector two? I, I get a little confused every time I watch it. But yeah, you know, every, everybody in this movie, there, there, there's 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 sub, several Hectors. We'll just get put it that way. And the first time I saw this, I was creeped out by the 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 multiple versions of Hector, like when Hector has the the overcoat on and the bandages around his head that are stained red and pink from blood. I mean, like when he's standing there and he's got the scissors in his hands and Hector one is looking through the binoculars at him and he turns around with his hands making the that you know, that mocking look, you know, like he's holding the pair of binoculars, like, hey, I know you're looking at me. Oh, yeah. That scared the shit out of me. I was just like, oh, shit. Like, this, this, like you know, not knowing at this point in the movie that that's also Hector. Well, that's the point of the movie where I realized it was the same person. Because, like, I, I kind of kind of knew because it's it's an older movie. And you hear certain things about stuff, that at least if it's really popular or like a cult classic movie. So I kind of already knew but that was i think the best part of the movie 
because like you were saying, it, it kind of lends to different um, different genres. So like there is a horror aspect to it. It's kind of marketed as a horror movie. But then you have the foundation where it's a sci-fi, it's a time travel movie. But yeah, the later on that you get within the story, I think in the weirdest way, I think this is one of the most unique character arcs that there is because it's a different version of himself, but every Hector has a sort of slightly different personality. And I think the third one sort of is they got that very melancholy, dark humor. He's not intentionally being funny, but it's just like he doesn't care anymore. So it kind of lends it to where it's apathetically comedic. Yeah. Um, Somebody that's like apathetic and like resigned to their fate. Almost. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's uh, you you're you come to terms with your own mortality or something and you just don't care anymore. Uh, but man, right. It's such a unique movie because, again, like you see most films as a linear progression of the story or the character. But like with this movie, you just repeat the same 40 minutes and it's played by the same actor, but there's three different versions of him going through the same motions. It's insane. Please watch this movie. Yeah, we're going to be saying that a lot during this show, I think. <laughs> it's just, please, please see this movie. Uh, but what's the way we get next when uh, when Hector is running through the woods? Uh, he, he gets he into fi- the house. He basically, he breaks yeah, that's the, right. that window and he sees the the map, the weird map of like what's going on. And this is kind yeah, of like the- laying that foundation of, are you paying attention? Like, are you are you looking at all the things that we're giving you? Like, it's great. Yeah, and it's just a map drawn, folks. It's just at home. It's just a map with a, a, a squiggly, a semi straight line that has a squiggle in the middle with a couple X's painted on it. And you know, it's just written on the back of a calendar. And it's, at first, you're just like, "Hmm, well, isn't this peculiar?" You know, but it all gets explained. You know, it. Mm, it's a chef's kiss, but uh, you know. He should have known. He should have got the hell out of that house. I'm, I'm, the, I'm. Every part of me is just like telling him not to do everything that he's doing, but you already know. But with a you know movie about time travel and time loops and whatnot, that it's going to happen anyway, because it's already happened. <laughs> you I know, think... like don't go in the house with the random doctor's office in it. That is like because not every you know every house just has a random doctor's oh, no. office. You it's... know. <laughs> Yeah, it literally looks like he went to MIT. Like it's the beginning of like <laughs> it's like a lunchroom at Facebook. Like it's a very like unique cafeteria, and then he goes downstairs, and it's literally like this engineering laboratory. But I think again, your connection with calling him like a Mister Bean, it really works because I the more that we're talking about this, I'm just you know the decisions he's making. Yes, it's because of necessity. He just got stabbed. He just moved into this new place. He doesn't know what he's doing, but he's just kind of going with it. And he just like just lackadaisically picks up the walkie-talkie and he's just talking to this dude. It doesn't seem like his arms hurting anymore because he doesn't. He's not wincing. It's you know he's just going with the flow, and it seems yeah. very funny. And that's when we, when he starts talking on the walkie-talkie. That uh, where we get to introduce to uh, Nacho, who is actually the director of this film. He plays Al Haven, and. Uh, not Hector, but Nacho is the director and also the guy who is in charge of the 
not in charge because he's not. He, he's kind of like a part-timer, but he's the guy that's like there at the moment, you know, because as you find out later on, he wasn't supposed to turn the machine on. He wasn't supposed to be messing with the machine. He, he was just supposed to be there like I'm not sure even what he was supposed to be doing, you know, but even Hector tells him, you know, you weren't supposed to be here. You weren't supposed to turn that machine on. But like, it's it's just, it's it's so funny when he gets on the, 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 the walkie. And actually it wasn't until this last time that I watched it when we were talking back and forth on Facebook, when you told me, you, and you told me like the, the director is the guy who plays the, the guy at the time travel, like the, at the Institute, I, I feel stupid, you know, for <laughs> you know, almost for never picking up on that. Is this like, oh, well, like that's true indie filmmaking at its best, right there? No, I mean, I think it's, it's, I think it's, it does two things. I think number one keeps the cast short. You don't have to worry about that many people. Yeah, um, exactly. And that character is kind of important. Like, not kind of. Sorry, it, it is important. Like, you, you have to have someone in that position because. Like they're in charge at the beginning. Like you think that everything is going on. The longer the movie goes on, you kind of feel like they don't have a control and they're usually being told what to do, especially with Hector three. And you kind of have this back and forth. The same thing with, with Hector, how he's kind of having a character arc. Our perception of Nacho changes throughout the movie. And um, the director probably was like, yeah, I can play that. And also it's kind of, he plays it very well. He's very yeah. believable. Lots of times, uh, I uh, don't like it when a, d- a director like acts in his own movie. I, I, I'm, most of the time, I shouldn't say all the time, but like most of the time. But here it works. I also think it might be metaphorical. You know, he wrote the story, so he's in control and he's creating. You know, turning off and on the machine. So I don't know. That's usually me looking too far into it, but I, I like thinking of it that way. Of maybe he put his foot down and like, you know, I want to play that character because it symbolizes I wrote the story and like I'm the controller of it. Yeah, yeah. Um, <clears throat> but now you know, then you know what the next thing I'm going to talk about is, is when Hector gets into the machine when he says, "There's a guy chasing me." He has pink bandages, you know, he's got bandages around his head. He, you know, he's creepy, and he points at that big basically like a big circular tub filled with a murky white liquid. And he's like, oh, you can hide in there. I'm like, every fiber in his being should be like telling him, no, like, don't do that. This does not feel good. <laughs> exactly. But it, it's... But he it's, does, because if he didn't, there wouldn't be a movie. Exactly. So that's that's where almost every movie, every script, every story, it, it culminates with a stupid decision. It, at least some form of... This is peculiar. Why is this character doing this thing? And that's because the story has to happen. So you're you're quickly, um, I guess, lulled back into accepting the movie because it, it, it explains it. Like it quickly lets you know like what's going on, and you're like, oh, okay, that was for a reason. So I think mm-hmm. this movie as well, like. I know a lot of people are afraid of time travel movies because it's really hard or it's easy to get confused or like the plots are so convoluted and it's ridiculous. Like you have to pay attention to so many things. I think this movie does a really good job of keeping you on a leash and it doesn't let you go too far without giving you another sense of reference. Like it keeps you within this little cul-de-sac on the mountain, like wherever they are. Um, And it's like, no, 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 it's local. Like, it's fine. Like the story is right here. You don't have to think about time travel in another country or going back to the dinosaurs. That's not about it. Like it keeps it very contained. So 
It's essentially Again, always in Hector's backyard. Pr pretty much, and it, and it keeps it that way so that you can focus on that rather than – I think a lot of people watch a time travel movie, and if it gets boring, they start thinking about time travel in their own life. Like, oh, well, what would I do? And it's very easy to do that. I know like with um, certain action movies or like James Bond movies, like – if you're bored, you start daydreaming like, oh man, if I had that car, you know, if I, I could, I could have took took those guys on with that gun or whatever. I think, yeah. I think this movie like keeps you just enough confused so that you're not uh, looking somewhere else. Like this is a great movie that you would show someone that don't look at your phone. This movie completely like engulfs around you. And it's like nothing exists. Like watch this movie. It's great. Like you won't, right. you'll be distracted in a happy in a happy way. It forces you mm. to pay attention. Is the best way to put it. it and like, I'm actually sorry. I, I sorry. I don't mean to cut you off, but I'm like I'm rewatching the movie as we're talking. Like I'm just skipping through it, and I I'm loving that every scene, every set piece has something in it that pertains to another part of the movie, like the chairs, the golf cart. The stuff that the in the background, the table, like everything that's just stupid that you would think is just nonsensical set design, it's all important, and I love it. I love this movie. Well, it's like when he, you know, when Hector, <clears throat> you know, he gets out of the machine, he tells him, "You went back in time," and doesn't he say, uh, "Doesn't the director say to him, you, you went back ninety minutes, you know, or something like?" I think it was an hour or ninety minutes or something like that. I can't remember exactly. See, I actually, yeah, I think it was 90 minutes, but I kept thinking it was like it was less than an hour. But that that makes more sense because uh, the sun goes down. So at least at least more than an hour goes on. And I know that that can be suspension of disbelief, like not trying to be super critical. But, yeah, I, I think that's the time frame. So an hour and a half. But it definitely seems shorter when you're watching the movie, like in terms of um, how everything's going on. Like uh, how things happen. Yeah, because especially like when you see the look on the director's face <laughs> when Hector comes crawling out of the machine, because, you know, he's not supposed to be there. You know, it's one of those, it's almost like Dante and Clerks. He's not supposed to be there today. <laughs> you know? It's yeah, really uh, good. That's a good callback reference. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, thank you. I'm, I'm taking a bow that you can't see. Uh, but he's like, you know, you went back in time. And he was just like, yeah, right. You know, and then he, I love when the director's like, all right, come with me. Come downstairs. I'm going to give you some time travel explanation. But first, let's stop for an espresso. <laughs> I just love the absurdity of it. He's like, hey, let's go down to the break area and go to the canteen and get some espresso. And see, I like that too because it, it doesn't have to explain everything to you. It kind of uh, just allows it to happen. It doesn't dumb it down, but mm -hmm. everything else around what's going on is far more important than them actually explaining the technology of time travel. And I think they did that in a really – fun way because you can get lost when you're trying to write something that detailed like I, I think that all the way um, or all the time when I watch like law or like crime dramas there's so much shit you have to know to just not make yourself look like an idiot when you when you write these stories about a cop or a lawyer or an investigator or something especially if you start doing stuff with like science and biology and archaeology like it's so easy for you to look like an idiot I think the movie does a great job of kind of sidetracking you a little bit and saying, 
with the focus of the movie, not let me explain the science behind everything. Like, for instance, when the director, you know, is show, he draws the, the diagram that he takes, he goes, looks and he finds the calendar and Hector's looking at him like, wait a minute, I've seen this before. But now he's seen it being drawn in real time. And then he d- draws the squiggle and draws like, here's you, draws the X. And here's now Hector two. So that means like the version of you that you were before is back at your house right now. And it's like Hector two cannot come to the realization. I don't think at least not right off the bat. He's like, who is that at my house? And he doesn't, he can't even grasp the concept. Like, nope, that that's me. I think that's great though. I, think uh, that's I love good, it. Yeah. Um, Cause it's, it's almost realistic, but in a way, the movie progresses and it doesn't care about what you think or what you understand. Like it's like too bad. If you can't comprehend it, we're going to keep going. And like, I think it just switches gears really well. Cause like right after that, he then he looks at the glass that he just broke and it's no longer broken, mm-hmm. but he doesn't say anything. He just literally looks at it and then turns back to the camera. And uh, the lead actor does this a lot where, I mean, I guess it's the, the director's, uh, intention as well he doesn't like um he doesn't exclaim like he doesn't really talk about how he's confused or how could this be or you know i don't understand this he just silently accepts it and then he he moves on and i love that because it's just so simple because it doesn't do like that same anime thing where like you narrate everything that you feel or you feel like um where he says something in his head you know like in the narration like that window was broken yeah, you can tell by the look on his face, he's going. Wait a minute, and then that was, that was I, not like that. I think the movie too does a really good job of not pandering to the audience. I think it does a really good job of doing the stuff, and then if you don't catch it, it's your fault. I think it it, it rises above a lot of those movies that try and over-explain stuff or like really really highlight things that you should have paid attention to. Not not throwing shade at Memento. I love that movie, but the editing in that movie is so um, epileptic. Like it, it, it yeah, it's, yeah, you know, it it's is. very flashy and stroby of like, hey, hey, did you catch this? I want to make sure that you caught this because this is the twist of the movie. Do you got it? Do you know the twist of the movie yet? Yeah, so, yeah. But well, I, like I, they do that like once in this movie <clears throat> where they do like the kind of flash where he's like, he's like Hector two, you know, or was was or Hector three was already there, and they show that flash where you see the hand around the piece of the machinery that's really like the only time they do that and but every that time they show works. that yeah yeah it works but every single time they show that i'm always like oh yeah like yeah he was there yeah i mean he literally is like you can watch the movie again that's that's one of the re uh the rewatchability movies like it's it's so good to rewatch it because you know what happened and you can kind of look at all the details he's absolutely there like Hector three is already there at the beginning of the movie and you can see him, and it's great. Like it just, ah, oh, the <laughs> editing, the editing of this movie is great. It makes me want to clap every time I see it. It just wants me to be just like a little golf clap, like, like Bravo, sir. I see what you did there. I'm here. For I it. really, I, I know there was a making of, because I was looking at the, the IMDB of like the extra cast and like, this movie has a lot of people. Like a lot of people worked on this movie, a surprising amount of, of individuals. And there is someone who's credited of directing the making of. I want to find that because this is one of those movies where like I really want to know how production went because it's all over the place. It's daunting to think of the planning that went into everything that's going on 
And it looks like a simple movie, I promise you. It's got so many layers of complexity with at least just how it was actually made. Like, I'm so interested in, like, how long it took and how things were, like, laid out and what was filmed first and knowing, like, how it's going to be edited. Like, it just seems so interesting in terms of making it a reality. Well, you know, I I think I remember reading somewhere that it was filmed in 17 days. Which is just wow, just fucking. I mean, I, I might be wrong. It might have been like fifteen or something, but it was something small like that. Seventeen days, which well, I can't even fucking imagine. That's what makes me think that some of these things were done sort of like a stage play, and they happened at the same time. They just had multiple cameras. That way, they could edit the things around, like especially like with Hector at the beginning of the movie on the lawn, and he's he's being the peeping tom. That he is, but yeah, it, it looks exactly like it does at the other side of the the thing when we're following Hector too, and when he turns around, just like you were talking about a minute ago, with a, like pretending he's got binoculars, which again is the stupidest thing. Like when you're watching the movie the first time, it's like, what is this dude doing? It's like a fever dream. But, yeah, um, when you start looks... getting into it, you start realizing like, oh. It's... He's re- recreating the past every step of the way just yeah. so he can fix it. But you can't fix it. You can't. You just can't. I, I love the absurdity of trying to fix something like that. It's just it's just insane. But yeah, I think if it was filmed in that short of a time frame that they absolutely utilized filming in two different locations at the same time, but editing them together to make it look like, God, I can't even finish that sentence. It's so confusing. <laughs> like, it's crazy. Just watch the movie folks. Yeah. <laughs> We're trying to explain it, but it's, it's, uh, it's just something you have to witness. This is so good. And, uh, to get back to the story part of it, uh, when the director is explaining everything, you know, to him, to, to Hector, and he's like, I think he does a really great job of explaining the complexities of time travel about not creating ripples. But and he tells him, stay put, stay here. Don't go anywhere. I'll be right back. Don't do anything. Don't, don't talk to no one. Don't do anything. And what's the first thing he does? He calls his house and it's, it goes back to right to that. He gets the random phone call. And, you know, and we already talked about the part, you know, when uh, when Hector and his wife, Claire, kind of awkwardly kiss. And he's like, oh, shit, I left the the phone on is still recording, you know, because he called the number back. Yeah. You know, it's like nobody has this number. Who called here? You know, and see, I realized he called himself. It's so fucking good. Everything, even down to an awkward phone call in the beginning moments of the movie. It's all important. It's all. Yeah, I I think. How I was commenting, like, this is a weird character arc story because, like, there's three versions of the same person. I think this movie does a great job, too, of adding tension to things we already know happened. It's such an interesting play on how our brain works. Because, like, just picture just a random horror movie that you love. The tension is building up because you don't know what's behind the door or what's going to come from the darkness or around the corner. This is a movie that makes you tense because of a phone call. Like, we already heard it. Like, it's the realization that some of the things that we've already been predispositioned to are coming around again. What does that mean? Like, okay. Yeah, so what's if, the implications of that? Yeah. So, like, well, if he moved this and we know that he drove this car, 
what where did that car come from or you know like it starts making you question everything and i honestly feel like this movie could be longer but i also feel like it's almost perfect like it's it's an hour and 32 minutes i think it it's it's great i don't think there's any fat on it i don't think there's any like wasted um wasted frames or anything like everything's got a place but i really like it's a perfect movie i don't want to throw that out too early within the episode and like just talking about it because it's really that's difficult and it's opinionated everyone's got their own definition of a perfect movie but in terms of just the payoff and how it sets up the story and every bit of the movie has been thought of like every position of where the camera is and how everything's like the trash can the dumpster we see the dumpster in the trash on the road multiple times in the movie and that's important yeah we see we see the clothes that the girl was wearing at the beginning of the movie that's important the gate the multiple times we see the gate at at the uh the the lab everything's just got something added to it and it makes it all the more i guess just a treasure trove of stuff because most movies that we watch or TV shows, no one cares about the table and the chairs behind the actors. No one cares about what's the garbage the pa- can sitting on the side of the road. Yeah, like who cares? Like it doesn't matter. But this movie really makes it to where every single piece of the story has some form of relevance. You every just prop, every yeah, little prop. I think it's great. Yeah, like for instance, <clears throat> when Hector, uh, you know, steals the little white car. And he goes off and he gets rear-ended by a red van or a red truck. You know, think that the red truck is just kind of out of nowhere. But, you know, we realize later on, I mean, like, that's Hector driving the red truck. So he knows he has to rear-end that car. He has to do it. Otherwise, yeah. See, honestly, I never saw that coming. I was I was watching the movie and, like, a lot of stuff was happening in the living room around me. Like, I, I had my headphones on and it was just, like, tunnel vision. And, um... When that revelation came about the red van, when he saw it, I, I, I like jumped, like I was exalted, like it, it made me feel so happy that like, because I, I kind of forgot that he got hit. You know, there's a lot of things in this movie where you watch it, and it's trivial stuff because you see this all the time. People, it just in life, you just see stuff happen when you're in the line at the bank, or when you're at the fast food place, or you know, you're you're doing something with someone. That's normal. But then having this movie pick it apart and say, no, this was actually really important. Or, you know, when he dropped this item, it mattered. It's just crazy because it, it starts lending that thing of the butterfly effect. And um, Right. I'm glad you know, said that. It, it's it's crazy. I really feel like the director I, – I know he's intelligent. I just – I don't know how, like, far advanced he is. He's He's got to be super smart to be able just oh. to – I mean, I know it's it takes a village, but like he wrote it and directed it, so I I really hope that he's like very proud of this. Well, you know, I mean, like he's done. I mean, the ABCs of Death. He's done Colossal, which is another great movie. He's did uh, the Parallel Monsters segment to VHS uh, Viral, which is one of my favorite segments in that whole movie. So he's he's an intelligent individual. I I'm, I'm willing to lay down some money on a bet on that. I. Would love to pick his brain at some point, you know. So, you know, Nacho, if you're out there, talk, get in touch with us. <laughs> I want to know. We'll need to get a translator, most likely, but yes. 
yeah, yeah, but that that that's okay. I I'd be willing to go through that. that but anyway, back to the story. Now Hector has a head wound because he's been rear-ended in the the van, or not in, in the van, in the car by the van. So now you got a head wound. Real go- nice going, Hector. And he takes the bandage off his, you know, his his elbow and his arm where he got stabbed by the scissors. He starts wrapping him around his forehead, and the blood starts, you know leaking into the bandage and creating that pink reddish look that he's seen oh on the guy that stabbed him in the arm mm. you know like i i just you know i'm going back every time i watch this i think of the first time i watched it if that makes sense you know it's like i, I know i've watched it several times already but it's just like i go back to the first time i watched it when i had that revelation like oh like this is where we're going with this but, but again he doesn't he doesn't narrate for like 10 minutes he he has that realization it's a neat little effect because it does uh it is a visual effect like there's not many visual effects in this movie but it does Mm, uh, yeah i'm sure they looked at it and was like oh well it works but like we need it to saturate more into the bandage and um it works though it doesn't take you out of it but yeah it's that silent oh and the main character now changes a little bit he knows that he's the person who was chasing him well, what does that mean? Why am I chasing mm-hmm. myself? What have I done? And he starts trying to figure out, well, if I can if I can trap myself or if I can do something, it just it's crazy. It just keeps creating more issues. Like Hector <laughs> creates problems, but he doesn't have a plan B. Like he doesn't know what's gonna happen as the consequence. And I think that's great yeah. writing. That's but why also I, I think Patty's that's why I think Patty's summarization of like, you know, this guy or uh, our summarization of it, that he's, you know, he's a Mr. Bean, but he's a straight edge Mr. Bean, <laughs> you know, is a, a great way of describing it. you know, is this, uh, but when the good Samaritan shows up, you know, that's why I label her as, cause she's just in the credits as La Chica. And she's just a gr- girl riding a bike, minding her own business and she pulls out the pair of scissors to help him wrap, you know, the the bandages more around his head and tuck him in so that you know, you know, it doesn't come unraveled. She, the good Samaritan lady, uh, or La Chica, she should have ran. She should have just ran, and she should have, you know, it's another instance, you know, like where you know somebody does something dumb in a movie. It's like mm, a guy covered in bandages and in blood who doesn't, you know, seem like he's out of. He seems like he's out of place. You know, and he does keep saying, please trust me, please trust me. But as I have here in my nose, please trust me, Dash. No, but don't. Don't, no, don't trust yeah. him. Yeah, literally, <laughs> like, he, she had multiple chances, and she didn't. Cause, and like those motherfucking scissors. Like, <laughs> when, when he looks down and he sees those scissors and his eyes just kind of bug out for a second. Again, no five-minute narration, you know, no, like... Those are the scissors he stabbed me with. You know, no, you don't need any of that. He just looks and does it with an expression. But that's the crazy thing too, because you know, when you when you start looking at it that way, like if if you've watched it multiple times or you're looking at it afterward, why did he keep them? Like, like you could have changed anything that you could do, and then you start thinking, like, did he actually have the ability to change? Like, if if you know, if it's already set, and he's happening through these instances again. Does he really have free will, or is he just going to hit those same marks? But then with Hector 3, we kind of see that you know he either went mad and he doesn't care, or he was able to get out of that kind of Groundhog Day routine sort of thing. Yeah, yeah. 
The one thing, though, is just as a note that I have here is, again, Hector doesn't listen well. You know, he doesn't listen well, not even to himself, <laughs> you know. But, like, when he's he's he lures the girl into the the woods and he's like, whatever I ask you to do, just know that I won't, won't hurt you. That lasts about two minutes. Because when she they, they tussle, she gets knocked out. And he, the way he intricately recreates that first encounter is creepy. But it's also, I mean, it's voyeuristic, it's creepy, but it's also, I dare say, humorous at the same time because of how fucking inept he is at trying to, like, to toss the clothes in the right spot so he recreates everything. Yeah. It's, 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 it's so weird. But that still makes you, under, like, you already know that it's you. Why still go through all of that? Why not just sit there and wait? That's the that's the only question I have, and that may just be maybe something I missed where it's just the fear of like you don't know what happened to make the other person come after you. Um, yeah, maybe it's or, a fear of not being able to get things to go back to normal. Maybe it feels like it, it you know, it's like I said, it's again, it's 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 part of the byproduct of not having that narration and not having him, you know, explain like, oh, those are the scissors I got stabbed with or something like that. You know what I mean? It, where I think he's just like, I have to do this so everything will go back to normal. Gotcha. I think that's that's my, you know, my my observation. But uh, oh yeah, so of course she runs back. That the Good Samaritan is that's what I just call her because uh, I feel it's inappropriate to just call her Lashika. But uh, the Good Samaritan just runs back to his house, and it doesn't end well. And you know, as we think, as I put in parentheses here, poor Clara gets a raw deal. I don't want to. I don't want to quite ruin that part yet. You know, Hector fucked up big time by you know trying to to, to pull at that girl and pull her down. And you know, uh, I mean, do we ruin this part right now, Daniel, or do we do we keep the? Nah, go for it. Go for it. Because it's, it's the revelation afterward. Because that's the yeah. thing too. Like this moment at the at basically the middle of the movie could be an ending. Yes. In, a, in a normal yes. movie, that could be just it. But the movie does this whole Groundhog Day thing again, and it leads you back to that same moment. And again, it's the tension of you already know what happens, but what does that mean? What did you actually see? Yeah, and yeah. Go, go for it. Well, yeah. I mean, he he's he sees the girl running. He's you know uh, he's chasing her around the house. He's not knocking on the door, and he's like, please, you know, just 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 come out. Nothing's going to happen to you. And then he, you know, chases her to the roof, sees her foot going up, you know, around the edge of the roof, pulls on it, not meaning to. I don't think he meant to pull her off the roof. He was just trying to grab her, and then he pulls her down. She falls down from two stories down to her death. Big splat. But he looks and he sees the clothing. He thinks it's his wife. He thinks now he's a desperate man because now what has happened? He has, quote-unquote, accidentally killed his wife. But did he? You know, because as we find out later on, that is not his wife. That is the Good Samaritan. You know, the, I mean, do we go into detail about how this happens? Because we'll be covering it in a nonlinear fashion, but this movie is not linear in any way, shape, or form. So I don't feel like it. Uh, no, I, <laughs> I think we can we can we can stop there, but then continue because at that point. Yeah. We have a major turning point in our main character because he now has done something that's un undo like uh, it's just major. It's irreversible. Yeah, everything else that he did, depending on 
he was following that that pattern because it's like he's trying to do everything that he saw the other person do and now because of what he thought was his own intervention within fate or the time loop he killed his wife so now he's like i i have to fix this i don't know how this works but i gotta get back into the into the thing or i gotta stop the other guy and i i have to fix this and it then kind of starts the process again because then he runs back to uh, well he steals that car and then he runs back to the institute and he kind of does everything else he, he runs up to where the time machine is he pops his little uh blood bandage face up into the window just how we watched mm-hmm. 25 minutes ago right and right yep it's it's that restart again of now we see what happened after the first loop ended because like when Hector one was done and he went back into the the machine, <laughs> all <laughs> stupid like, um, it restarts the day. So we we have no idea what happened. But you know, from the person we've been watching the entire movie, now we kind of see what happened after the night came. You know, sunset. What did Nacho mm-hmm. do? Like, how, what what happened after that fact? And he kind of starts explaining more and more, and it's like, okay, we got to fix this. Yeah, and that, that's when we get to the revelation that there is a Hector 3. And he's like, what do you mean there's a Hector 3? And it's like, Hector 3 came to me first. And was, and <laughs> the look on, I guess, would be Hector 1's face is just so goddamn comical. If it, if it wasn't so tragic, it'd be comical. Because well, he's just like, wait a minute, there's a Hector 3? It's just like, wait a minute, what? Like, Huh? <laughs> yeah, so I, I think a neat thing with this is it's kind of lost because I think at this point we start having that comedic thing because he, he hits uh, Nacho a few times with a crowbar, which is hilarious. Yeah. Um, but I think it's <laughs> yeah, lost. Like, stop hitting me, man. <laughs> I, like, I, I know it's like it's impactful into the movie, but I think it just gets lost a little bit because this is the point in the movie where we realize we were never watching the original person. We were always watching the clone or if mm-hmm. not clone, but the the doppelganger, whatever terminology you want to use for yeah, the time I think doppelganger is uh, probably right. It's it's like commenting on zombies. Like, what do you want to name them? Rotters, you know, crawlers, creepers, whatever. <laughs> Eaters, but, um, you know what what? Yeah, but that's such a good feeling in terms of that's that same kind of unreliable narrator. It's not really a narrator, but like you, your whole world of the movie is thrown away because you thought you were watching the, f- the first part. It's basically we're thrown into the movie when the movie's already been going. Like the movie started yeah. an hour before it was even created, and now we're, we're exactly. And I love it. it. It does such a great job of of explaining it, but I think they could have milked it just a little, a little bit more. But I, I do agree. The comedic sense of weird violence that our Hector is, is doing – it does bring levity, but it's still kind of weird. Again, the Mr. Bean thing. I love that analogy. Like, it's still kind of quirky. It's a very quirky part of the movie. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Now, I got to ask you a question. The first time when they do the kind of flashback, and they show the, the fact that Hector 3 was there all along and the hand was there. Did you catch it the first time? Because I know I most certainly did not. Well, no. So 
the the first watch of Hector two or whatever, <laughs> the the first Hector we saw, no, I did not catch him uh, in the back. I did go after the movie was done and try and see if he was there, and th- that was just enjoyable. I mean, if a movie makes you restart it after you've watched it, or at least go back and see a scene, that's a keeper. That's one you should keep on your wall. You should buy that. You should have that so you can show friends because that's something that connected with you, at least if it's for like a fight scene. M- most of the time it's like that or a, a joke. You want to hear that joke again. Mm-hmm. But um, no, I didn't catch it the first time because I was, I was paying attention to everything else. And it's such a, just a mere second, just a snippet of a, part of the frame and again the editing is is phenomenal in this movie because they they could have leaned on it more or they could have um i mean there's just other options they could have done and it was just a small amount of time and it's there but if you're not paying attention you miss it but you get the payoff if you were paying attention the whole time in the movie would have been whose hand is that is that another hector is that nacho's boss like what's going on? Like who? Yeah, whose hand is that? Is that a nefarious like extra person that we don't know who it is? But yeah, yeah. Ah. like again, mwah, chef's kiss. <laughs> like it, it, like you said, when that when a movie makes you rewind it and just be like, go back and skip backwards and be like, nah, yeah, yeah, he was there. <laughs> he was certainly, most certainly there. Yeah, things start becoming almost. Yeah, I would say somewhat clearer, but like it, yeah, somewhat clearer because it's still a bit. This is a movie that bears watching more than once. You have to, like I said before, this is a movie that I could watch all the time. I, I don't watch it a lot because I just want, I like to savor it. It's a movie that I love to savor, if that makes sense. Well, I'm yeah. definitely going to watch it with uh, uh, my spouse, Rook. I definitely, when I was describing the movie, I was like, you have to. You have to. Like, it's just, you like movies. This is a movie. You're going to like it. Like, it's just, <laughs> it's, it's just so good. Um, so I will watch it again. I just don't know within what time frame. Right, right. We have to get back with me and let me know what they think of it. But uh, anyway, uh, the, the part what that gets to me is when the director is distracting, I think it's Hector 2 or no, or Hector 3, while the, I guess the original Hector is driving by in the white car behind, not in the white car, but in the, uh, the golf cart behind him but yeah. he's just the director's like he does a good job of <laughs> of distracting him but like not really because he's like rubbernecking and looking behind him like doing everything but turning around like an owl well see that's the lovely thing too because you know while we're doing this i'm kind of rewatching the movie while we're speaking um the way that the beginning scene at, at the beginning of the movie where we see him do all that stuff on the yard when he comes out of the time machine for the first time the way that it's kind of that one shot or the singles where they go back and forth and then they have the doubles where both Nacho and Kara are on screen at the same time, they do, they do a lovely job of editing around Nacho looking around. And he actually whips into frame after he turns around. Like, I, I know if you go back through it, you'll understand what I'm saying, but I think they do a great job of subverting our memory by the way that it was edited versus trying to recreate the same thing so that may have been different but when you watch it again and hector three near the end of the movie is going behind them it's a much wider shot and it pulls it away from being a single but at the beginning of the movie it's very close to Kara because it's that realization in his story he just went back in time and it i think it's a great way of 
seeing the same thing but doing it a different way the second time you look at it i i again i can't not commend this movie for like the choices that it makes yeah 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 and uh i like it i'm not using the term chef's kiss but every bit of this movie is a chef's kiss i, I love the the part when the director makes the re- realization he's like yeah lying to you in the beginning about you know turning the lights on and off when he was coming up the the pathway oh he's right behind you you gotta duck down and hide and he's like you know i lost uh <laughs> when he's like lost the connection on one of the the security cameras and he makes the realization he's like yeah it would probably be a nice idea if we had some security cameras around here this is like it it's a nice moment of levity and humor when it's just like yep when you have an institute that has dealing with something like time travel you should probably have some security cameras around i would think that'd be a good idea yeah but then you think of it too of that might draw too much attention because it makes you think that they're hiding something so you know yeah and that's the other great 2007 you wouldn't be able to hide cameras like you can hide them today (laughs) well no but i mean that house was amazing i don't know where they filmed but that the location that they filmed at was gorgeous like it just looks so modern but it it's a great thing too because obviously the movie is is a spanish movie i mean we should have started out with that at the beginning of the episode but hey oh it's it's in another language they don't detail though where it is i love that i love when movies just don't even care about giving you like a like a word stamp of like oh it's in this country uh like this is in madrid spain you know no this is just spain it it doesn't do that and you don't travel enough around like there's no landmarks there's no stock footage like it's not like a movie that is a walking tourist uh video it's all road interior vehicle woods (laughs) like yeah very simple but it's like they utilize those spaces to such a nice uh a nice balance but yeah it just doesn't say where it's from so i i I like that about the movie as well i think the next line i got written down here and this will probably make you giggle sir but i put down at this point in the movie that goddamn red van (laughs) when they open up the it's like not the white car he already took it no i mean the other car and he and he opens up the garage and that goddamn red van is there it's just like son of a bitch it would be it would be right but it's it's such a good thing too because again the the weird levity and the comedy the way that again the director is portraying nacho the uh the young man that's the translation of his character uh it's such a nice like comedic thing like they're bantering with her facial expressions. It's great because, like Hector at the end of the movie, he just doesn't care. He's tired. Like it doesn't explain. Well, he's like beat what, up. Yeah, he's got a head wound. He's been stabbed in the arm. He's been in two different, uh, you know, car wrecks. You know, uh, he's been beat up, thrown he around. He hasn't even he's, eaten. This movie does that too. It doesn't show any human uh, action. No, no eating. No bathrooms. Nothing. Like it's yeah. No bathroom breaks. No, no sips of water nothing he even turns he turns down the only thing he's offered which is an espresso which i i don't think he he needed to to get hyped up at all for this movie i don't know that could have changed his entire future you never know maybe his future would have been changed if he had just taken the damn espresso in the first place (laughs) that's a life lesson uh don't ever uh, throw away coffee that's given to you or something yeah exactly always accept a cup of coffee or a drink that somebody gives you from strangers in a house that you break into that's... yeah yeah exactly <laughs> we're, we're giving you life lessons i'm in air quotes here that you can't see but i'm giving you life lessons here always accept drinks from strangers wink wink yeah. you know don't 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 do that 
but no, to serve, to uh, help us from this tangent, yeah, the red van. Basically, the reveal that barely even led up to it. Because again, like the movie does a great job of giving you these bombs of info or like the memories that you've already seen. But the dude just opens the garage like nothing. Like it's just, it's quick. There's there's no uh, there's no music pop. There's no like. Um, there's no you know dun dun dun. Yeah, none of that. It's literally just a small push in of the camera, and then the actor physically showing that he remembers the van. Like he touches the front of the the van, and he's like, "Yeah, this is what hit me," and it's like, "What did I do?" Like again, he's just the cogs are clicking in his head, and yeah, he's in the red van now. Yeah. But uh, yeah, when he starts getting back to the house again, when once he, I, I mean, he's so beat up right by now. I mean, he's just beat the fuck up. And I gotta make a a point here: the makeup on Hector is utterly amazing. Like oh. his swollen eyes, that the cuts on his face, the 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 bulging cheekbone, every is so well done. Yeah, it's great. I was gonna comment that towards like the end of the movie, but yeah, this is one of those I think under the radar things where. I mean, the movie won a few awards, but, like, they're really good. That gash on his forehead, it does look weird in some spots, but he's wearing it for so long. Just imagine how long that was on the dude's face, like, in actual filming. But no, like, <laughs> Probably at least 10 out of the 17 days he was filming, I'm sure. Yeah, but his, his cheeks and his nose and especially his eyes, like, that makeup looks wonderful. Like, absolutely just great like it looks realistic it is very exaggerated because like he is beat he's beat to death but and no wonder he's so tired by the end of it he's been running he's been getting beat up he's been knocked out he's been he's time traveled a couple times who knows what kind of strain that puts on a person he, you yeah. know hey hector's got great cardio that's all i can say yeah for a middle-aged uh balding man he, he he's he's he, he, he can hang he can hang with the best of them but yeah, yeah, yeah. Ma- ma- kudos to the makeup. But uh, when they get to the house and the girl's there and, and he gets to the uh, when he's trying to get Clara to hide. I know I'm kind of glossing over a few things, but I'm, I'm but when he's like, he tells her, you know, wait here and they don't wait. Like, oh, we shouldn't go into that house as a quote I have here is like, you know, it's like, yeah, probably shouldn't go into that house. It's probably a good idea, but, but, you know, they go into the house and like, he, I think, you know, that's the point when he, you know, when he realizes when that, you know, he didn't, he didn't kill Clara. Clara is still very much alive that he had disguised his, you know, his wife, not his wife. He, he, he disguised the, the good Samaritan as I keep calling her. Yeah. You know, the part when like, well, like, I'm kind of jumping all around here because I, my, my notes are a little jumbled. No, you're but fine. When, when, that, when he cuts, when he cuts ending, her hair. I was just going to say, like, jumping around's fine because that ending, it all it all is, like, happening all quickly. So I don't think you're jumping around too too much, but I think you're good. Yeah, yeah. But, I mean, like, in the end, it's, it's essentially, this is a tale. Yeah, yeah, it's a sci-fi, you know, tale of a time travel. But in the end, isn't it just about a man trying to save his wife from himself? You know, I mean, if you really think about it, you know, at the end, because when he gets to that point of desperation, when he realizes, oh, hell, I, you know, quote, quote, wink, wink, I killed my wife. He's willing to do anything it takes to reverse that 
because he realizes that he made a reprehensible fucking mistake. Yeah. But, well... I think that's one of those other things, too, of what are you capable of doing? Like, if you're in a situation like that, I know most of the time it's like those horror movie home invasion style stuff of like a realistic thing of happening to you. Like, are you able to to overcome it if you give an opportunity? But this is like a weird situation of time travel against yourself, and you know what's going to happen. There's not many options. Would you do a really horrible thing to keep what sort of normal that you had? So I don't I don't know. It asks a bunch of, bunch of questions in that last like 20 minutes of the movie. But oh my god, it's just it's just the payoff is just so good. Oh yeah, like when he ha- when he hides his wife in the shed and he goes back in the house and he finds the girl and he cuts her hair and he puts the the the, the tells her you hear wear this. It's just like oh like he is both the, the protagonist and the antagonist all at the same time. It's so beautifully done. Yeah. I mean, it, it's grim. It's grim material, but it's beautifully done. And he leads her like a lamb to the slaughter. You know, like when he when he pulls, when he takes his wife out, when he calmly walks downstairs, he gets her out of the, you know what I mean? He gets her out, uh, his wife Clara out of the shed, sits her down in the lawn chair, calmly walks over all in the same shot. Grabs his oh, yeah. long chair and sets it down. She tries to get up and he just puts his hand on her to like, no, just wait. You and know, that's the crazy like decision choices because that could have been shot in a different way too. But that was a a longer shot of just a like a silly action, like mo- picking up a chair and moving it over to you in a normal movie would that would never even be filmed. That would be left on the cutting room floor. But like such a an unnecessary or unimportant action and he just he's fine he knows what's going to happen again i want to comment back on like just calling this like a horror movie groundhog day like when bill murray's in the cafe the the restaurant in groundhog day and like he picks out when the person's going to fall what the person's going to say like he just spouts out and shows uh Andy yeah, McDowell, like, the, like this, this, yeah the like, server's going to drop a tray of dishes in three two one you know yeah the ending of this movie is the same thing, but with a very dark turn on it. Oh like, yeah, he he knows everything that's going to happen with the the noise. Honestly, him throwing the table at himself is the funniest part of the movie. I love that. I, I love it because he just kind of chucks it off to the side without even looking. Yeah, just just, <laughs> just dead face. It's amazingly funny. Like, and it's funny because the wife at the beginning of the movie, you know, he brings he brings her this little IKEA type table. And they have the bet about whether or not, like, it'll fit back. Oh, you're going to assemble it out here? Well, yeah, why not? And, like, well, it won't fit back in the house. And she says, well, well you know, hey, you won the bet. I guess I'll go and pick up dinner. See? But and the it table wound was, up in the house anyway. It wound up in the – yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, I, again, everything in this movie was important. Like, every single part of this movie was important. But, um, but yeah, he, he knows – every sound where he is and then just putting that coat on La Chica and yeah, taking his wife outside calmly, just presenting things to her. And she never questions it at all. Another weird character choice, because in another movie, the wife or the spouse wouldn't shut up. They, you know, be like, what are you doing? What are you, like, let's leave. There's someone in the house. What did you do? Why do you look like that? No, she just literally is scared to death. And 
And she should be. She really yeah. should be. Uh, but uh, I, I love when he sits there and he this he puts his arm, a hand on her arm, and he's it's one of the, it's such a simple line, but God damn it, I love it when he's just like, yeah, we still have a while before it starts raining, and then you get that wide pan over that takes up forever. You, you when you see the house, you see them sitting on the lawn, and yeah. you see that good Samaritan lady just splattered on the ground and you know a ton of gore and it just slowly pans out and fades it's so fucking brilliant and that's a great shot like i don't wonderfully know. orchestrated oh yeah and it i like a lot of this movie is dark because again we commented well i commented on like it's very pixelated it's not high def at all no the, no the lighting is great but it is very practical there's a lot of sun lit areas and a lot of practical lamps and lights and whatever so there's not a lot of additional stuff but like that last shot of the movie it's just a oneer that pulls from hector and his wife i mean they're gonna have to come to terms with what happened at the house but it, they're at least together i think that's I the gl- whole point we glossed it. over like at least i glossed over she's called the police so they are on their way yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> So, and but that's he's going to rue the day that he that he moved into that house. He's definitely going to do that. Yeah, but it's a great ending too because I think it's just the important thing of it's it's fine. Like everything happened. I mean, they did drive away at the end because, like, right after um, it pans a- around the house, that's enough time for them to get up and leave because there is there is a vehicle that leaves the property, but we don't know the end of their story which I, it's great i like that ending but um I, I like the fact that it leaves you questioning is this kind of it's like a gut punch it's just like it's a double gut punch because one you don't know how their story ends but it's the gut punch of what he did to quote unquote again air quotes here they can't see save his wife yeah so basically you know he chose with not much of an option to kill a random stranger so that his wife could stay alive but now they're on the run, and they just bought a house, so they probably don't have a lot of money. <laughs> you know, like all that stuff doesn't matter. But it's like the stuff that makes you. I mean, think he just bought like, a bunch, of, a whole bunch of IKEA furniture and, and and gardening stuff. You know. Yeah, that put him out at least a grand. You know. Yeah, exactly. They ain't gonna run very far. Do you think there was a, like a point, you know, like post post ending where you had to explain to her, and he was like, "Listen, I fell into a time machine." <laughs> you know. He's like, that's everything that's happened here. <laughs> I think it would be easier just to make up another lie. <laughs> I think explaining yeah, exactly. what happened would be way more crazy. And it's the same thing where, like, some other movies of this caliber, like, with this kind of um, mood at the end of the movie, like, Hector would have... Like, I, I know this is going to be remade, and there's still a possibility that there's an American remake. I feel like if this was made... Yeah, they've been talking about it for a, a good decade. You know? Yeah. I, I feel like if it was remade in America, I think they would change the ending. And like Hector, well, though he'll probably be called John or something. In the American yeah. Version, Adam or something. But um, Joe. I think he would. Joe. Um, but he, he probably would kill Nacho. Like he would kill the loose end. And that wasn't necessary. Or like he would, um, the movie would end in a more violent fashion. Right. But, I don't. I don't know. I I like the way that it ended. Um, I honestly think the vehicle driving off could have been left away. I kind of like them just sitting at their. Well, it's not a pool. Sorry, um, sitting on their yard, 
and just waiting. And then that pan just continued to go off. But like, it's still beautiful. Like, I yeah, it, I it, it's it. A, you know, it's about as perfect. I said the same thing when you and I reviewed the thing together. When we reviewed John Carpenter's The Thing, it's it's a you know perfection is something that's unobtainable, but it's about as perfect of a movie as you could possibly get. Actually, I'm glad you brought up the thing because I was trying to think of another movie that was as particular with its props and its objects and parts of the story. Like the the thing has always been heralded as like very detail centric. And like the layout of the lab or the, the scientific facility in Antarctica was like, you know, the, the it was built, you know, the, everything was laid out perfectly, like yada, yada, yada. I think this movie is close to topping that just for the sheer sense of every single thing that you visually and audibly can witness has an impact in the story later on. And it's a it's a crazy thing right, to say right. aloud because – you would think just common sense that, oh, well, every movie does that. But no, like I promise you, again, if you haven't watched the movie, just watch it as knowing for a fact, period, full stop. Everything you see matters. Like everything exactly. you can look at or listen to, it will come back around again, and it makes it so much more entertaining. You know, and the thing that – the one thing I find sad about this movie is something you mentioned earlier – it was a bomb at the box office, even in its native Spain. It wasn't a big box office draw. It didn't make a whole lot of money, you know, and even to the point where, you know, it's been sitting in limbo with an American remake for years, which I'm kind of fine with. I don't know that I want to ever see a remake of this. I mean, if it came out, I would watch it. I think but, the only thing that you kind of would enjoy from the news of the remake is at one point David Cronenberg was said to want to be part of it. But Oh, well, that changes it, everything. I know, right? But, <laughs> uh, that's That's been going on since 2011. You know, I, ever since the movie came out and it became sort of a, a pull, a pull-in for audiences, the, America wants to remake everything. So it's it's going to happen. I say that it will happen, but it's still in limbo for at least since 2011. I read an article recently before we started recording that was in 2020, but um, I, I, I don't know, but no, it definitely bombed it, The budget is reported to be 2.6 million and the box office total from at least their Wikipedia is $564,000. That's not That's a good a return. That's a shame. And honestly, like the cast, I, I, I don't know a lot of other countries' cinema as in terms of like their heritage actors and like the people that stay popular. Like I don't I don't know the popular actors of like India and France and Germany. But looking through their IMDb's like they didn't do much other stuff. So the the thing that could have happened with this is like maybe it just didn't get enough pull because the people who were doing it didn't have a lot of popularity or like they didn't have a big buzz to their name. Yeah. That it, they weren't big box office draws possibly. Who knows? But yeah, it definitely did not do well, but I would consider this to be one of those movies that are like the boondock saints yeah. that they may have been forgotten when they first came out. I mean, we mentioned it in the thing, the thing bombed. So, yeah, you know, which that, is a travesty. 
Yeah, so there, there's a whole other lifespan of a movie once it's it's out there. And again, I'm sure that everyone who worked on this movie is very happy that it's not forgotten about. I mean, how many movies do you think were made in 2007 that no one talks about ever? Oh, so, yeah. Most of them. Yeah, so it's it's great of a movie that, again, was considered low budget. Again, we're still talking about it. It's, it's, yeah, 15 it's years later. Yeah, it's still something that another generation could appreciate, again, for the sheer magnitude of how awesome everything was written and edited together. Now, I'm not sure if you have any trivia for this movie. I have one bit of trivia written down because there wasn't a whole lot in the Wikipedia. I've, I watched a couple of videos on it on YouTube, and I looked at the IMDb trivia. But the one most notable part of tr- the trivia tidbit I have is actually something else that's really funny. <laughs> It says that around 16 minutes into the film, when Hector first goes into the house, he passes a, co- a computer screen, and the top of the screen is labeled Time Machine Configuration Interface, in parentheses, beta version. The bottom right-hand displays, the warning says, caution, please pay for your software, implying all along that the Time Machine was running off an unlicensed beta version of the current running software. Yeah, I only read that after the movie, but I think that's that's hilarious. <laughs> I love that. That and it, that kind of makes you think too of, um, but because uh, Nacho kind of mentioned it before, like it's in testing. Um, well, doesn't he like, say that it wasn't even supposed to be officially tested or run for the first time in, exactly. for another six months? So when when hector first came into the lab at the beginning of the movie like you see like iguana or like chameleons like some some form of x-ray of a lizard um and just there's there's just very minimal details given of the outside world and like what is going on with characters that aren't in the movie and yeah the testing phase like how is the time travel machine supposed to work it obviously if if this was in testing was this a mistake was this not supposed to happen and um, it, again, it just adds questions that you'll never have the answer to, but it sort of builds the world out of possibilities, but it it's still like a very um, succinct story. I'm not trying to make yeah. it seem like there's a lot of uh, loopholes or stuff. <laughs> loopholes. <laughs> I see what you did there. <laughs> Wasn't <laughs> even intentional. Hey, there you go. Oh, fuck. But this movie, yeah, this whole movie is, is a chef's kiss. I'm not sure what much else we can possibly dive into this. Uh, I know you did want to talk a little bit about uh, some box office. Uh, we were talking about this was a box office bomb at the time. You had uh, some trivia about some box office that was some hits of 2007, do you not? Yeah, so I like to at least at any time that we get together for these episodes, um, I love just putting the movie itself into sort of a bubble and remembering what came out around it. Cause again, this was a movie from another country that was low budget. I, I guarantee unless you were on some sort of website or media platform that you needed to see this movie, you weren't living in the United States watching this in 2007. It's just, I think that's a very clear assumption. Um, so, I mean, even when I, I, I saw it, it was probably 2011 by the time I had actually seen it. Yeah. So at least with stuff that you may be familiar with to make you seem – uh, you know, within that time frame, here's the highest grossing films of 2007. Uh, so in no particular order, uh, we have I Am Legend, nope. uh, 300. Oh, there we go. That's a good one. 
uh, Harry Potter and the Order of the Phoenix. And I can't remember which one that is. I think that's six. I don't know. To be honest, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna admit something here on the air that I've never admitted. Um, no, I, no, don't don't even finish the sentence. I know what it's gonna be. Just let it ride. We can watch, <laughs> we can right, watch right. those later because uh, uh, my daughter hasn't seen any of them. So we're definitely gonna watch those. Oh, okay, okay. So you all and right. I can uh, comment notes on each one of them. All right, all right. There we go. I'll, I'll leave I'll leave that one alone. Continue, sir. I'll I'll save you from some of the commenters and viewers. <laughs> um, Thank you. Save me, saving me from myself. Yeah. Anyway, uh, Spider-Man three <laughs> came out in two thousand seven. Oh jeez. And, uh, and Ratatouille, and then obviously the highest grossing movie was Pirates of the Caribbean at World's End. So that one, you know, that made way more money because <laughs> that movie made nine hundred and sixty million. Oh and, damn. And then compared to two point six million for the budget of this movie. So well, yeah, yeah, that made like nine hundred and sixty million where this movie made what about a half a million dollars, I think you said. Yeah. Um, so that movie made parts of the Caribbean made nearly two thousand times the amount of money that Time Crimes did. Yeah. <clears throat> I mean, not saying that Pirates of the Caribbean is not an entertaining flick. I'm not saying that. But as far as filmmaking is not even in the same ballpark. Well, here, here's a great thing because a lot of people say, "Well, what's the difference between a movie and a film?" No shade whatsoever, no disrespect. I love Pirates of the Caribbean. I love almost so everything about them. I think in this podcast, for me, this is my personal opinion. My opinions do not reflect anything about cinema degeneration. Um, I think Pirates <laughs> of the Caribbean is a movie, while Time Crimes is a film. I, I would agree. As the CEO of uh, Cinema Degeneration, <laughs> high-ranking. Boss man, I would agree with that statement 100%. So that is sanctioned by Cinema DJ. Like, both of them are great. They both have great acting, writing. Editing's great. Sound, wonderful. But I just think they're two different things of the same media or medium. Exactly. You know what I mean? I, I think it's just, yeah, I, I couldn't, I couldn't put anything on that to make it any better so i'm just going to say i agree with you 100 percent. awesome but that being said you want to get into our final thoughts and, and ratings on this bitch yeah go for it all right all right well you know as 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 well as i do uh guests go first so you know give us your final summary and rating on a scale from one to ten if you will all right well i don't think i've said it yet but i think you should watch this movie <laughs> um, <laughs> wait you haven't said that yet I, I don't know. I don't remember. Maybe I should go back we in time. Had to and travel back. Oh, you, yeah. me, you son of a bitch. <laughs> so, I mean, that with utmost love and respect, though. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, I don't know how else to say it. I think this is one of the best movies that at least I've been a part of on your show. I like, I love, I love all the other movies that we've watched. Um, even the, how, what's the, the car one with oh, Charlie Sheen? The Wraith. The Wraith. Great movie. It's, it's fine. But like... Well, all I, with the exception of Halloween Resurrection, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, that one was a turd. Yeah. Yeah, that, that was that was a turd served inside a douche. But I really think this movie... Again, it's hard, it's hard to put a label of perfect or like 100%. But, man, they got really close with this one if it's not. I mean, I know that it's... There's not a high def version. Some people are are put off by that now because like the the modern generation, like everything has to be crisp and clean and very saturated and like you know 240. Uh, I don't even know the hertz and whatever else. Whatever. I'm not a tech person, but like 
enjoy it for when it was made and the equipment it was made on, it still serves the purpose. It is wonderful. Every single thing about this movie was calculated. Like it makes me think of a um, an Edgar Wright movie. Like when he makes yes. a movie, he thinks of every single thing. The rhythm, how the music is put to the editing, the inflection of how the actors talk, where they're standing. Like it's not just set up the camera, point it and shoot. It's very yeah. very, different. very different style of filmmaking. <laughs> yeah. So I, I do want to give a disclaimer. You know, if if you like just watching movies and you like you don't even pause them to go to the bathroom, you just kind of go about your day. This is not the movie for you. This isn't a background movie for you just to sew or to do a craft with in the background. It's not something that you can just put on. I mean, I guess you can put it on if you've watched it before, but to really get and, and grasp how satisfying this movie is, you, you got to watch it with full full attention. But it's it's a 100% for me. A 10 out of 10, 5 out of 5, whatever gold star you want to give it. I can't articulate like how enjoying this was to watch just from both a person who just likes movies and then a person who like appreciates and aspires of like the work that goes into everything. Just the amount of detail and the communication that went from everyone that worked in this movie. And it just paid off so well. I have no critiques of this movie whatsoever. Even if there's just some dumb kind of commentary that you can make on our characters not doing what we think they should do or like what they should, how they should react within a time machine. It's still amazing. Everything about it was enjoying. There wasn't anything that I felt was out of place or that could have been shot differently or colored differently or, Oh, that was a, a sour music choice. You know, anything perfect. I think as close as you can get to a perfect movie. I couldn't put it any better. You know, I, I teetered on the edge of giving this a nine and a half to a 10. And, uh, you know, it's it's utter perfection. And I don't use that word often. Usually even a movie that I will give a 10, I will have some issues with. I'll be like, yeah, you know, this shot was janky. The sound was, it was you know, out of sync here. Something was out of focus. Something, you know, uh, an acting choice w- was dumb. But even if there was a little idiosyncratic, little minute amount of bullshit about this movie that that I would consider a critique, I can't critique it. It's it's so close to being per- perfect. Again, I like I'm u- using this as a comparison, even though the two movies themselves are in no way in, in the same kind of uh, thematic qualities. It's like the thing. It's as close to perfection as you can possibly get within the medium of film. And I got to give it a 10. I, I can't do, give it the injustice of giving it a nine and a half, which I teetered on the edge of doing, but I, I can't do it. Um, like you even said, you know, like you said earlier, Daniel, you know, about the, you know, some of the, the choices by our characters, you know, might be quote unquote dumb or maybe not the smartest choice, but everything is so well calculated once you realize what, what you're in for that I can't critique it at all. Now, I might, like, say, yeah, the, the character's a dope. Hector's kind of, you know, uh, like I said, calling him a Mr. Bean is kind of a critique <laughs> in and of itself. But it's just it's so beautifully done. And I, I, you know, I, I say this a lot on, on this show. I will tell people, you have to watch this movie. But I'm like, people, please. I'm, I'm begging, like, you almost have a loved one of mine. 
being held for ransom as a hostage, please watch this movie. It's it's the Cameron too. It's Cameron two's got Patty a hostage. That's what it is. <laughs> yeah, Cameron the, two is is holding Patty hostage while Cameron three is watching. <laughs> yeah. So I like there's one there's one more major comment I'd like to make just for for, for this episode specifically and. It, who anyone who's watching that just doesn't like foreign movies, I think this is one of those movies. It's like on the the Mount Rushmore. Terrible analogy for a, a foreign reference I'm making, but it's it's one of those movies that you should absolutely have as a response to someone who says they don't like foreign movies. I put exactly. this one. I put this one up there as well as Memoirs of a Geisha and um, Hero, the one with Jet Li. Mm-hmm. And uh, Martyrs, even though Martyrs is not a movie for everyone, I think I agree with the Martyrs reference, which is, is one I've been dying to cover. But like, there are so many movies. If people would just give them a chance and shut the hell up about having to read subtitles or just listening to a dub, I on, I don't like dubs. I'm a sub person. I like listening to the language. You know, the actor was paid for a reason. Like, I want to listen to them. Whatever. I don't know what they're saying, but you know, I want to hear it. But like. This has to be one of those movies to shut people up of like, oh, I don't want to watch a French movie. I'm not from France. Like, I don't I don't care about Germany cinema. Like, I don't even know where Argentina is. Shut the hell up. Like, shut watch. the hell up and just watch it. Like, it's so good. And like, again, this is one of those movies like I, I mentioned it on the thing of um, because it's been around for so long and we we watch it. We reference it. We make jokes about it. You know, there's. People know about it and haven't even watched the movie. It's, it's like one of those things. And um, Well, it's so ingrained in pop culture at this yeah. point. But it's one of those movies where it has to inspire you. It, 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 as long as it's just a thought. If it just makes you think about the, uh, the interesting story that this creates with time travel, it's it got to put something in you of like, oh, well, you know, this makes me want to do film. Or like, I, I wish I could make something that's like this or even just think about well time travel is cool i could write my own time travel story i can make a short about it or something like it's i think it's one of those movies where it's either going to entertain you or it's going to make you want to get off your couch and go make something that's even a third of what this movie is but i think this movie will also would also scare some people into not wanting to make a uh, time travel movie because I think they'd watch it and I, I, I watch it and I, I've written multiple movies, been part of several movies, been directed several movies, and I would not want to attempt to make a time travel film after watching this movie because it's <laughs> I wouldn't I wouldn't want to compare wouldn't be compared to the damn the, the, the damn thing because I'd be like, I'm never going to make anything that's, a, you know, wouldn't be a pimple on this movie's ass. I mean, fair enough, but I mean, it's the same thing of how many Liam Neeson kills people movies are there. So, yeah, many... yeah, yeah. Good point. Good. Point. You know, it's, it's not... and, we'll, and we're all going to watch each and every one of them. I just I think it's not bad to have like an, an insurmountable thing like this as a term of a goal. You know, obviously, because it's so critically acclaimed, like I, I guarantee that it, all of that's valid. Like I know sometimes that we look at trailers and comments and websites and ratings and stuff and it's like well i mean you're paid to to say that stuff or like you put an advert on it and you get a a percentage of whatever clicks or something it's hard to believe reviews nowadays from like bigger places but 
this has got every bit of accolade that's earned like every award that was given that should have got more but it's that good it really is it's it's not something it's like it's blowing smoke it's it's really that good yeah this is a movie where folks i uh, i will not normally use this phrase but i think it it's 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 needed here but believe the hype you know what little hype there is about this movie and what little people are talking about if you hear anybody talking about this movie even if it's not just us believe the hype the movie is just that damn good and i will leave it at that but that being said i think we can stick a pin in this one for the evening this has been one of i i know i say this quite often but this has been one of the most fun shows that i've ever done with you but it's also been one of the most exhausting shows i feel like i need to go have a drink now <laughs> i think it like we I think we commented on it before, but it's like it's exhausting having to go through the same story multiple times because because mm-hmm. again, like you you already have the tension. What could be a bookended A to B story, but then we have to relive it again, and then we have to relive it again. Like um, I know what was that movie? Uh, Happy Death Day, right? That was the other time. Oh track yeah, Happy Death thing. Day. Yeah. Honestly, I haven't watched it yet, but I know most of the. Uh, the plot or whatever but like i think that's a movie i love the first one so okay well just as kind of a a side at the end of this episode um is is it similar because obviously more people have seen happy death day i would say of that generation than have went out of their way to watch something like time crimes would would they kind of match together at least for the sense of um tension and violence with time travel it's I mean, yes and no. I, I would think, you know, we've compared this movie, we compared Time Crimes several times in this uh, this podcast about, to Groundhog Day. But I think Happy Death Day is more, more or less a horror movie version of uh, a Groundhog Day than even this movie is. It's more firmly rooted in slasherdom as it is to time travel, if that makes sense. Okay, gotcha. Yeah, I mean, there is the the whole idea of waking up and reliving your life and reliving the same moments over and over and over again. So there is that you know that same idea of repetition. But I mean, I mean, they're slightly similar, but in totally different ballparks. Honestly, I didn't even think of it before just now. But Edge of Tomorrow, I really enjoyed that movie, and it handled time travel in a very unique, uh, like natural way instead of it being like a machine um but i i, I think that's one of my favorite time travel movies too sorry that's oh, completely i like gotta watch eight. it i have to watch it i have not seen it I have oh to admit. that's awesome yeah i think you'd enjoy it it's very convoluted it, it it's um it makes you tired like not in a good way like it, it relives things a little bit too much but i think that that it breaks you down by the end of the movie to um serve a point but it's, it's great it's that's a good oh. it's a good movie Okay. Honestly, well, you're not you're not the, the the first person that's recommended that movie to me, and I, I, I it's been on my a list of movies that I want to watch, but there's just only so many hours in the damn day, man. Oh yeah, <laughs> I I said to someone before that they they didn't like Tom Cruise, and I was like, if you don't like Tom Cruise, watch Edge of Tomorrow. It's one of those movies where he kind of breaks away. I mean, I say that, but he he kind of breaks away from his normal. You know, Tom Cruise dumb. Um, yeah. But he, he does kind of hide within the character. He's not he's not uh, Ethan Hunt in this movie uh, for okay. Mission Impossible and stuff. So I, I think it's good. 
that that sells it to me. I will probably watch it here very soon because I'm admittedly not the world's biggest Tom Cruise fan. Like I, I will like movies that he's in, kind of despite the fact that he's in them. Because I, you know what I mean. I like. Uh, I'm, I'm not trying to knock on the guy. He's just not, not a favorite actor of mine. But yeah, I, I definitely got to see. It. I, yeah, I did like Oblivion that he was in. I did, I did enjoy that. So if I've seen that, I guess I have to see Edge of Tomorrow. All good. Well, that being said, um, do you have anything you want to plug here real quick before we go? Or you, you know, anything you got in the pipe getting ready to come out or getting ready to release? No, the only thing I just want to say is I want to appreciate anyone who's listening. Thank you again, Cameron, for having me on. I just want to uh, make sure and let everyone know, like, if you have enjoyed this episode, please watch the previous ones that have been posted and then keep us on your radar. Cameron's got a lot of ideas. He's going to start putting out other episodes that may interest you. And then, obviously, if you don't know the title, if you're seeing something later on on your feed and you don't know that movie, why don't you click and listen? You might find something that's a new favorite that you go pick up and buy and put on your shelves. Yeah. I will second that motion, you know, and I'll take it even one step further. If you see something that we've done and you like what we've done, maybe send us a suggestion. I love getting suggestions from you folks at home. You know, if you have something you want us to cover that we haven't, uh, you know, covered yet, if you like what we do, send us a message, drop us an email or a text and just uh, let us know what you want to hear our take on next. And, you know, who knows? We, you know, we do requests around here, you know, especially if you Venmo or PayPal, we'll definitely do a request. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding, folks. <laughs> but that being said, I will bid you all a fond farewell. I want to thank you, Daniel, for coming on. I know it took us a while to kind of get our schedules into in sync here, you know, much like uh, time travel. Uh, we had trouble getting in sync. It's all but, good. I'm just thankful to be here. Uh, I am, too. And I'm, I'm, I appreciate doing this show with you. I, I enjoy our, our deep dive discussions. But that being said, thank you again for coming on the show, Dan. And we'll do this again sometime soon. But folks at home, you have been listening to us here at Cinema D Generations Takeout Edition, where we have been talking and dissecting and taking one hell of a deep damn dive into time crimes from 2007. As always, thank you for listening, folks.